Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for April 3. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In an article in The Spectator UK, Justin Briley writes of the surprising rebirth of belief in God. He notes that the new atheists of the early 2000s, led by Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens and Daniel Dennett, and their best-selling books, have led to confusion, a mental health crisis in the young, and the culture wars. It's not surprising, then, he continues, that a movement of the new theists has sprung up. He notes that influencers such as Joe Rogan and Douglas Murray are increasingly talking about the value of Christian faith and the dangers of casting it off. The former new atheist, Ayan Hirsi Ali, has been praising the virtues of our Judeo-Christian heritage after becoming convinced that secular humanism cannot save the West. Significantly, Justin Briley comments that Christianity is not just a useful lifeboat for stranded intellectuals. If it is not literally true, he says, it isn't valuable. It's imperative, therefore, that we ask whether the account of Jesus' resurrection is an invention. Life and death matters are at stake. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. If it's true, it's life-changing. Our lives have meaning and hope. In the opening lines of chapter 20 of his Gospel, John records the events on the morning of the third day following Jesus' crucifixion. Mary of Magdala, one of the women who went to Jesus' tomb, ran back to tell Peter and John it was empty. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, she said, and we don't know where they've laid him. Despite the testimony of women being considered unreliable and inadmissible in first century Judaism, women, as the other Gospels detail, were the first witnesses of the empty tomb. No Jewish writer would have written this if the account were fiction. Furthermore, John's own testimony rings true. He tells us that being younger, he outran Peter, but he didn't enter the tomb first. Peter did. Both saw the linen wrappings lying there and the linen cloth that had been around Jesus' head, rolled up in another place. It was as though Jesus' body had passed through the shroud that included some 100 pounds weight of expensive myrrh and aloes, and the head covering had been discarded. It seemed that human hands had not removed the body. What did it mean? John tells us he saw and believed, but neither he nor Peter understood it. Like Martha, who had said to Jesus that she knew her brother Lazarus would rise from the dead on the last day, John seems to have reasoned that Jesus had gone to be with the Father, as he had said. But neither John nor Peter understood what Jesus meant when he had promised that they would see him again, physically alive. We need to grasp this, for it underlines the unexpectedness and authenticity of what really happened. We also need to appreciate how Jesus' followers felt when they saw him strung up on a cross. 
For three years they had been with him. They had seen him turn water into wine, heal the sick, restore sight to a man born blind. They had even watched when, standing at the entrance of a tomb, he had called out to a man who had been dead for four days, Lazarus, come out. Furthermore, they had heard him teach and outclassed the smartest minds that sought to break him. They believed that he was the Son of God incarnate. Then, to their horror, they had watched him die. They had heard his prayer of forgiveness and his promise to the penitent insurrectionist, as we read in Luke chapter 23. They had also heard his victorious shout, It is finished! My work is done! as we read in John chapter 19. Their minds were numb with shock and horror that Jesus would die the worst of deaths the Romans had devised for the slaves and for the very worst of society. No wonder they hid behind locked doors. Yet on that Sunday evening, Jesus suddenly stood in the midst of his disciples. John's words, Jesus stood, Contrast with the time that they had last seen him, hanging on a cross, wounded and bleeding, racked with pain, dying the most ignominious of deaths. And when they had seen the spear thrust in his side, they knew he was dead. Yet here Jesus was, not weak and limp, but standing, tall and erect in command, repeating words he had spoken when he was last with them. Peace be with you and to prove he was real and not a ghost, he showed them his hands and his side. Bewildered and confused though they were, they nevertheless knew he was alive. Peace be with you, he said again. At their last meal he had promised, My peace I leave with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me as we read in John chapter 14 and verse 27. His resurrection gave them the greatest assurance of the truth of his words. They were overjoyed, but their minds couldn't fully grasp what was happening. It was like a dream. But as G.K. Chesterton once observed, truth is stranger than fiction. Now, you may have trouble with the idea of miracles in the New Testament because we now know the laws of nature. Dr. John Lennox, Emeritus Professor of Mathematics and Philosophy at Oxford University, comments, The laws of nature that science observes are the observable regularities that God the Creator has built into the universe. However, such laws don't prevent God from intervening if He chooses. When he does, we're able to identify the irregularity and speak of it as a miracle. Jesus' resurrection is not the result of a natural law that can be tested. Rather, as the New Testament tells us, it happened because God chose to overrule, using his awesome supernatural power. More than ever, our confused world needs to hear God's good news. When we turn to the risen Christ, he says to us, Peace be with you. Have no fear. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia.
So let me pray. Almighty Father, you have given your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification. Grant that we may put away the old influences of corruption and evil and always serve you in sincerity and truth. Through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may like to listen to Christ Our Hope in Life and Death at gettymusic.com. John Mason is the speaker and writer of this week's podcast. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book 1978 and the opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.